hello everyone and welcome to Spilled Popcorn! This is episode 3 of Loki. If you're joining us, things are getting crazy. You know what I don't have? I've had a lot of props on this show and on our main podcast, uh, Popcorn for Breakfast, but I don't have anything Loki. Maybe we need to look into that or if someone out there has something and they could send our way, I would love it. I would love to have the monocle or whatever it is. Monocle's not the right word, but Cam, help me out here. How are you doing today? doing great i do have a couple of loki funko pops but they're out in my mcu avengers area of funko pops i've got them all organized because i'm weird but yeah that so i mean i could always bring those in but i only have two of them two loki's Bring them in. Bring them in for episode four next yeah. week so you can hold them up. Hold them up. I think, I don't know. I've never seen, and maybe maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I haven't looked deep enough. Is there like a Loki costume that I could wear while we do this podcast that I could get before next week? Probably. I mean, Amazon is an amazing place. There, there There's no shortage of things you could get there. There's probably a prime Loki costume or even just the the horns. You know, just the horns, right? That's that's pretty much all you need. And I just saw that Spirit Halloween is hiring in our local area, so hopefully the Halloween store is going to have a Loki costume this year. Rolling probably over there. They're like, let's go. (laughs) They're going to have like just stuff from the series, though. Like it'll be like (laughs) super easy, like the variant jacket with a suit and tie. They're like, we got this. Not like OG Loki, you know. So that's that's what I want. Dude, that would actually probably be a pretty easy Halloween costume. I think you just gave me an idea. Just the the variant jacket. You can just get like. orange spray paint and a stencil yeah Yeah. done tan khaki jacket easy yes head to goodwill oh it'd be so good it'd be so good well I look forward to seeing you that in a couple of months here. We'll make it happen. <laughs> Mr. Loki. Awesome. So we're halfway there. All I can think about is the Bon Jovi song, but I want to know how did you feel about this episode? If it delivered, if it was confusing or if it was underwhelming. I liked this episode. I really did. I thought it was among the more entertaining, entertaining in a different way. This this wasn't the kind of episode that has lots of cloak and dagger, lots of intrigue, lots of uh, Easter eggs and fun things to dig into. But this was sort of the character grind episode, you know, where we have to build relationships, build bridges, and and kind of get to the crux of what's going on with our new characters. But all that said, I liked it. I liked it a lot. I felt that I was unfortunately a little underwhelmed with this episode. I got to come clean here at the top of the show because I felt like it had all of the great elements to be so great, but there was just some sort of magic missing in it. And there was plenty of magic to go around in this episode. (laughs) Uh, Enchantment and the fireworks coming out of Loki's hand. You know, I felt like those were some poignant moments that could have been hit in a different way. Now, I don't know how to do that because I'm not a director, but I felt that we were missing something just uh, like it, like it just missed the mark for me on all of its big moments. So let's talk deeply and deeply about this episode. Are you ready, Cam? I I was born ready. Let's go. (laughs) The unwrapping. Real quick, because we have lots of butter and speculation to go on here. So the just the highlights here. We get into this uh, episode and we have some killer green screen studio landscape of, of this dying planet. What was the name of this planet again, Cam? Oh, Lord. 
was it lamentous 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 one that's what yeah yeah okay excellent excellent i thought i was just uh making that up in my mind so i just wanted to cross check it and have a sounding board so lamentous one this planet's dying this is where uh lady loki slash sylvie as we get her full name in this episode as revealed and as correctly proven by cam uh in our last episode bravo I was right about one thing for once. Yes. (laughs) Uh, So he goes into the portal. He follows her in and they're on Lamentus, this dying planet. So things are crazy. Uh, We obviously saw them in Pompeii in the last episode, but there's a different feel for this because they know what's happening in this, but their, uh, their temp pad that's allowing them to travel through the different portals has been, uh, it's running out of power by the end of the episode, it's destroyed. So the one way that they can get out of this situation is to do the impossible thing that no one in any variant of that timeline has done is to actually get off of the planet in the ship mm-hmm. uh which correct me if i'm wrong it does get destroyed by the end of this episode correct the ship yes yes in Tragic. a big way <laughs> i think the so, moon the moon thing like crashes into it right that's right that's right <laughs> just like obliterates it after this uh this l- very long technical scene uh with with the camera and camera tricks where you're just like are they going to get there and they do not uh let me back up we have some fun hijinks that ensue uh to get to know uh loki and sylvie uh several different spots where they kind of take cover until they get to uh get to this train on lamentus that's going to get them to the ship uh so there's some some really funny silly stuff where they uh they kind of poke fun at each other like i'm the smarter one i can trick i'm the better trickster and loki ends up uh, masking himself as a guard and walking sylvie into uh into the train but he doesn't quite get there and she also has to assist so very fun very playful uh these these two actors together are, have a lot of good chemistry which is exciting and then uh, we, the biggest thing here, Cam said, we get is a big character dev episode, big one, big one, reminiscent of season, oh, what you call it, uh, season, let's say four of The Walking Dead, where you just have two characters for like six episodes, just trying to figure out who they are and where they're going. This one kind of felt like that. It was better, obviously, for, and for obvious reasons, but it was better because uh, it's tied to the bigger stakes of the Marvel universe. Uh, so that went on throughout the entire episode beginning middle and end and of course as i mentioned that technical aspect of the finale uh, of the fate of our two antagonists where the ship blows up uh, those are the big things those are the highlights anything i missed in their cam that stood out to you i really liked that i feel like um, from a production standpoint this this show has a very different feel in terms of like cinematography and style which I, i'm enjoying actually i feel like that's what kept me in it i feel like and, and I'm forgetting the name of the technology. They have a name for this now, but those virtual sets that they use um, yes. in the Mandalorian were certainly at play on this moon. You could kind of tell with the way the characters were interacting as they were like running across the landscape as meaty, like asteroids are coming down. And um, I don't know. I, I liked, I liked the colors. I liked the feel and the camera work. It was pretty cool, especially that last scene where they're kind of like trying to get to the ship and they're having to like beat people up on their way to get to it. Um, it just had a really good style and flair to it. 
Yeah, I forget the technical name too, but basically instead of all green screens, you have this completely uh, immersive uh, flat, these flat screen panels. So just giant televisions surrounding you that they're projecting the image that they want. So instead of projecting it later, it's there. It's physically there. And it definitely felt like this was used at least on part of of this episode, if not most of it. You're exactly right. Good eye cam. Uh, So I want to find out what that technical term is so we can I speak see more people on tweet that. about it all the time. That's why it's bothering me so much. But Ewan McGregor was talking about it recently as they're making the Kenobi show because he taught, he constantly talks about how the prequel star Wars movies were horrible because they were all green screen. Like 90% of the scenes were in front of green screen. And now that he's shooting Kenobi and they have the virtual sets, he's like, Oh my gosh, this is such a game changing experience. Yes, and blue screen. They did a lot of blue screen, yes. in fact, too, for those prequels, which Oof. was like, whoa, it's going to be better. That was the, uh, <laughs> uh, that was the uh, what you call, I don't want to say the lie that was told to us, but at least that's what they told us as we were going into it. I can't tell you how many uh, behind the scenes I saw of blue screens oh, before the, sure. the prequels came out. Yes. Oh, I love it. I love it. Well, let's get into the butter. The great, great points there, Cam. The butter. We want to talk about some great, wonderful things that happen in here. So, I, I basically just uh, crapped on a, li- a little bit of this two-character scenario, but ultimately, it worked. It worked really well for Loki and Sylvie. Um, from from then them meeting each other uh it was really fascinating to see how they basically assumed they knew everything about the other loki uh and then as they kept talking they started getting confused at each other and like well don't you feel this about this uh wasn't your past like this and like this uh and so all of a sudden they found that they actually did live very different lives and though they sort of have this kinship to each other Ultimately, they're two completely different people. How'd you feel about that aspect of their relationship? Yeah, I think it's important. I think it's important for Marvel to lay the ground rules of, you know, uh, time displaced variants, for, for lack of a better term. I mean, this is really the first time that we've had it in the MCU where you've got two characters who are the same person, you know, just in a different reality. And so they had to establish, like, here's how that functions. These these are the same person per se, meaning they're the same person in their timeline, their universe, but they are different people in terms of their experiences. Obviously, in this case, their primary gender, since one is a female most of the time, our Loki is male most of the time up till now. So, uh, yeah, I think it's an important moment. And I think that scene at the, when, when they're on like the Snowpiercer train on that planet, <laughs> yes. like they're calling it the Ark, but it's basically the same thing. Um, <laughs> That scene is great for so many reasons because you get to hear them talk about their differences. You get to hear a little bit about Sylvie, but you also get to hear Loki like talk about his life, which is something that we just haven't gotten much of. Like he's talking about his his adopted mother Frigga, which you know mm-hmm. to all the comic book fans, I'm sure everybody was swooning over that because he does love his mom, and and that was evidenced by the scene where he saw her die when he's looking into how the future will unfold, that she will die because of something that he did. Um, so it, it was it was a great moment, that two-character dynamic, particularly at that scene when they're in the restaurant on the train, uh, yes. was excellent. Yep. I also love how, how you said this is our first exposure to really lay the groundwork for a variant timeline uh, character meeting each other because we had Captain America uh, in Endgame, but 
they were from the same timeline, exactly. the same timeline. Right. So they were the exact, they were the exact same person, uh, just at different points of the timeline. So very good call out there as always. Uh, so it was very cool to see this interaction. That was very fascinating and very well done. Um, anything else catch your attention deeply in this episode? Well, I think the big, the somewhat big reveal, um, comes early and then midway through the episode where Sylvie is inside the mind of the of that Minuteman soldier, the the female Minute Minute woman. I don't know, <laughs> the, <laughs> yeah, you sure. know, and and is you know using her memories to create a you know like a landscape where she can try to extract information. You know, she's yes. asking her where are the timekeepers, and she's like, oh, they're by the gold elevators. Well, so what we find out with that reveal, and they extrapolate on it more later in the episode is that these are not people who were just created by the timekeepers. These are, these were humans, you know, you know, at least most of them, we don't know. There could be people of other different species in this, in this time TVA world or whatever, but Mm -hmm. you know, this character in general was a human who had a real human life on earth prior to being a part of the TVA. So that is, that's, that's juicy. <laughs> it's it's perhaps the one. only big juicy thing that we got in this episode, but it's a big one. Yeah, because you're right. A lot of it, again, That's that was part of the underwhelming part. Like we... We spent a whole episode on this planet in the Snowpiercer train in <laughs> in this just destructive d- environment, and then we really and we left on a cliffhanger at the same planet. So we it was so exciting going in because we're like, where are we going? And then by the end of the episode, we're like, we haven't gone very far, literally physically. nowhere. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I like how you said nowhere. So like when they when as they're actually going through that final technical spectacle, right? It looks like the planet nowhere just this decrepit cesspool almost and it was like wait are we on lamentus is nowhere connected to this nowhere the planet that we see in guardians of the galaxy and part of marvel lore uh the, i don't know if you had that feeling as well when we, when we got to that scene yeah i mean this was a planet that i had not heard of i don't know maybe maybe some of you marvel diehards out there can correct me but i've never come across it in any sort of reading that I've done, but I certainly haven't read a comic <laughs> ever, but yeah, it definitely had a, it had a different vibe. It felt like there must be some sort of significance for this planet. I mean, for them, they're still going to be on this planet that's dying heading into the next episode. So who knows what's going to happen there, but it definitely had a, had a different vibe to it. Excellent. Excellent. And that, uh, that minute woman who was being grilled in her own mind uh, by Sylvie. Her, her name is Sasha Lane. Uh, she was recently on uh, the the Amazon remo- reboot of Utopia. Yeah. Uh, and that series, it had its ups and downs. From what I hear, it wasn't as good as the original. I haven't had a chance to watch that. But ultimately, I think she was spot on and just a stellar actress in that entire series. So I was super pumped to see her show up at the end of the last episode that we got a lot of her in this one. I don't know if we're going to see her in another one here. I don't want to look into the IMDb future and see if she's got <laughs> I know, right? You got to gotta avoid that. <laughs> But it would be super cool if she outlives just Loki and moves on into the MCU in some regard, because I think she is uh, perfect, uh, a perfect actress for for this series and for this universe. Yeah. Uh, so this this is great. This is wonderful. I'm, I'm ready to speculate on on everything. Uh, please. Uh, what do you what do you want to talk about first? I, I want to say, you know, where do we go from the cliffhanger? Uh, that's where I, my mind is just like 
echoing right now. Uh, what happens? Is there an escape pod? Is there a Doi Ex Machina moment where someone in a ship or another portal, Owen Wilson pops in and says, wow, you almost got destroyed, you know? So yeah. what what's on your mind where this heads next after this cliffhanger here? Well, I... I have to admit, after the episode ended, it my head spun for a good 24 hours about <laughs> what the heck is going on here. Um, and here's where I think I've arrived. And I don't know that it's like a fully baked conclusion or theory, but I think it's as good as I'm going to get before the next episode comes out. But basically, I feel like the fact that they, they have us, they leave our heroes or main characters stranded on this planet and they show you there is no way out the tin pad is gone the the ship just got smashed by this like planet that's coming down on it like this is it into the road i feel like what has to happen in the next episode is that whatever is going on with the tva and everything that's happening there will have to we're going to get some sort of huge revelation in the next episode mm -hmm. my working theory right now is something that I mentioned in the last episode where this whole thing is some sort of construct of Kang, right? Like he is, there's a reason that that middle timekeeper, again, I feel like looks exactly like Kang. And, and I think that what's going to happen is it's going to be revealed that Kang is behind this. I don't know that it'll be revealed next episode that Kang is behind this, but I think it will be revealed next episode that the TVA, as we know it, is not what we think it is that um, there's something else at play here and that they have some sort of need for these Lokis. They have, there's some reason for it because mm -hmm. it's hard to explain otherwise, you know? Like, if this is all just like... So if, I, if we're working off the theory that this is some sort of construct of Kang's creation, that these are not the real timekeepers, that it's actually Kang manipulating reality, because let's back up a little bit. If we think about Kang as a character, he has a vested interest in something like a sacred timeline, you know, something that is consistent, that he controls, something that he can create realities and govern the timeline in the way that he wants to. That's that's what he's all about. He's a time hopping right. crazy guy. He wants to be able to bounce all over the place. And it's, Hold on. I want a shirt that says that. A time hopping crazy <laughs> guy. <laughs> I mean he is. There's no that's probably the the like lamest way to describe him, but it's true. I love it. He he it makes it easiest for him if he can bounce back and forth along the same timeline and kind of keep things in control. So mm -hmm. that's why I feel like he's behind this. But if that's the case, he has to have he has to want something from one of these or both of these Lokis. Otherwise, why not have his TVA time cops just melt them and clean up his timeline and move on from it? You know, I just I feel like there has to be something bigger at play. Or maybe that maybe he doesn't care about them, but Sylvie just blew everything up and now they definitely care. So I think the TVA is going to come for these Lokis. And then after that, there's going to be some sort of big reveal. Right. So Kang is uh, obviously a, a mastermind uh, for for being able to manipulate all of these timelines. Right. So it must be that in this version of this variant timeline that something has to occur that he can't be a part of, that he has to kind of tweak things and prod things. Yep. And he's like, oh, they'll be my puppets. I'll get them to do it. 
and I'll lay, I'll just like drop little obstacles along the way that they have to figure out that ultimately leads me to my goal. Because otherwise, Kang, this mastermind manipulator of time and realities and everything that he can do, why wouldn't he just do it? Why wouldn't he just wipe out the TVA? He needs that construct to get to his goal, right? Like that's yeah. that's how I'm feeling it yeah, yeah. with what you're saying. So it's fascinating. And it just, again, speaks to the the genius of the Marvel writers uh, from the comic book level and now the screenwriting level too. Yeah. And I think we know, I think we know that going forward, there can't be a sacred timeline. It just no. can't, it just can't exist. It can't be a thing because it limits everything that they're trying to do. We know that Wanda's up to no good with her, you know, um, you know, basically what, what do they call it? Hex magic, you know, that she's doing, uh, she's, she's got the, you know, the, the demon book thing. She's sitting in her cabin on the mountain. She's talking to different timelines, different realities. She's cutting through the astral plane, whatever. Um, so she's, she's messing with time. We got Dr. Strange. We know he has a movie coming out called in the multiverse of madness. And we have strong, strong suspicions that, our friends in the Sony Marvel verse with Spider-Man are about to get real weird with some multiverse stuff. So the sacred timeline must be gone by the end of this series. And and it potentially already is based on what Sylvie just did in episode two. Um, But yeah, this whole thing has to come down. This whole thing has to, has to collapse in on itself. Indeed. Do we think that Sylvie is some sort of nexus being, or maybe like a level below a nexus being because of her, ability to enchant or is it just is it not the same thing because she's still a loki i mean correct me if i'm wrong but like so i don't know that she's a nexus being i think she really is just a loki and a pretty clever one you know Mm -hmm. as i would i would imagine most of them are but do we really know what her intentions were with blowing everything up yet no i don't feel like that was answered in this episode at all no, so, she kept dodging the question. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like that question is still very open in my opinion. It's, you know, is Sylvie working for someone else? Is she truly just on her own and trying to cause chaos? Um, you know, what is the end goal here? You know, did she did she have a run in with the TVA a while ago and is like, I'm gonna blow the lid off this whole thing? This is messed up. I don't know. But I do think that we're supposed to like her. And that um, we're supposed to be starting to trust her in terms of her intentions and whatnot. And that uh, we're going to want some sort of finale that involves her and our Loki, you know, working together and and maybe even beyond this show. I don't know. Mm Mm-hmm. Yes, yes. What if we find out that in episode four or five that not it was not Sylvie, but it was uh, Agatha all along, and she, <laughs> <laughs> and she just this is actually happening before WandaVision, and she Agatha played with this timeline, pretended to be this this lady Loki, and then like it didn't work out for whatever reason, and then she was like, all right, oh, what's going on over there? And what is it, Pennsylvania, wherever they landed uh, and built the house? Like, what if she goes over there and yeah. says, all right, this this is big. This is what I'm feeling. How about that for speculation? I mean, I think people would be decently mad about that. It's, it's, (laughs) (laughs) I just do because I think people were somewhat underwhelmed. I mean, everybody, I feel like really liked WandaVision that I've talked to, but felt like there was more that could have been done there that, that there should have been a villain or an antagonist 
bigger than Agatha pulling the strings and things like that. So I, I feel like that would make people a little bit upset, but I don't know. Um, what is interesting on the WandaVision front, I don't know if you've seen this, uh, comicbook.com, a few other uh, Reddit sleuths had started to point out over the weekend that the end credit scene in WandaVision uh, where she's in the cabin has been edited, has been edited, okay? What? So the Doctor Strange theme song has been added in some way musically tied in to that music that plays and the mountainside has been digitally edited to look a little bit different, which what? makes you think that, and, and okay. And there's also rumors that like you can see Dr. Strange floating down the side of the mountain. I have not Stop. been able, like Stop. when I watch it, I don't see it, but there are people saying that you can see him floating down the mountain. But the question becomes, why would they edit that scene? If they really did add in the Doctor Strange music, is it because they're going to show this exact scene in that movie and they're going to show, you know, Doctor Strange? And so they had to line up the scenes digitally, mm -hmm. like, oh, like, oh, you guys added more trees, so we need to make it look like that. Or is this just like a George Lucas thing where, <laughs> where it's like, <laughs> I don't like that. We need to edit it. We need to clean it up, you know? Because, because we know that these shows... So when Loki episode one aired they were still working on and editing the Loki finale. Like yes. the show wasn't done. And that's the same with WandaVision. They were still working on the show as episodes were being released. So yes. it's quite possible. They're just like, ah, we're at a deadline. We'll finish the scene later. <laughs> and they're like, it's good enough for now. I don't know. But that seems, that seems maybe significant. I don't know. I, um, the next 24 hours of my life will be dedicated to watching that scene over <laughs> and over again. Yeah. So uh, what, that's the, amazing. what the big conspiracy theorists are starting to say is like Marvel did this on purpose because Loki, the Loki show has changed the timeline. And so there are material facts that have changed about that scene, including what the mountainside looks like and what the music is. I don't know. It, 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 that's what people are saying. It feels like it could be significant. Again, we talked about, I think on episode one and episode two, of our Loki recaps so far that this show in our opinion, and, and I think many others is on a collision course with that Dr. Strange movie in the same way that WandaVision was, you know, and yep. they're all going to sort of converge there. So that's why I think that whole scene change thing is relevant to the Loki show, because maybe that truly is what's happening. Maybe they, maybe they said now that Loki has changed the timeline, we have to go change this scene. I, I wouldn't put it past Marvel. They've certainly shown outrageous attention to detail so far mm -hmm. so mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and i wonder what you know at the end of uh to, to hook back to spider-man uh <laughs> as we know at the end of far from home uh peter parker's you know swinging around and then we get the announcement from jay jonah right that says hey uh peter parker is spider-man i wonder when that moment lines up, what was affected? What affected it, right? Obviously, it wasn't just he just decided. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't just what Peter Parker had done with Mysterio. It has to be bigger than that. has to be greater than that. has to be tied into all of this. So what triggered it? And will we get an idea uh, of what of what just ricochets it? Or did we already see it with Sylvie blowing up all the timelines? Did that trigger that? I don't know. Uh, was Mysterio supposed to... Um, live you know like yeah. we, i still think he's alive in that obviously too, but yeah. uh was it supposed to be a greater victory and when that thing blew up everything shifted right 
man, it's all tied. I mean, it sounds ridiculous to talk about Spider-Man, but really it's all going to tie in because we know that Benedict Cumberbatch is in that Spider-Man movie. It was one of the first castings that was ever announced. I think people are starting to forget about that whenever we think about the whole, you know, Green Goblin, Doc Ock. People are getting distracted by the fact that Doctor Strange is in that movie, okay? Mm -hmm. And we know that Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness is supposed to be this crazy multiverse comic book event almost like an avengers level type movie mm-hmm. and we know that loki and wandavision are heading in that direction so all these shows and movies really do tie in in that way particularly when you talk about wandavision loki doctor strange in the multiverse of madness and spider-man i think that core four is some sort of somewhat connected story arc that's gonna that's gonna wrap and i think that doctor strange is gonna be the one behind opening up the multiverse in that spider-man movie Yes, and then we're going to get, of course, Thor, uh, Love and Thunder, which, right. you know, his brother, it's going to tie into there greatly as well. And uh, with Christian Bale's uh, a villain character, uh, remind me who he was Gore, playing again? the God Gore. Butcher. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's just, it's just all so much. My brain can't take it anymore, Cam. It can't take it. And I'm ready for all of these movies to drop. We've got Black Widow coming up, and who knows what, what that's going to do to our minds and our timelines. You know, uh, the new been, trailers for the Black Widow keep saying, Saying the future starts with her past, and I'm like, what does oh, that mean? Man, <laughs> you know? like there has to be a reason this movie's coming out now. There has to be, there has to be, and I bet it's going to be more perfectly timed now than it would have if it had been able to come out sometime in 2020. And Kevin Feige is just um, counting his uh, counting his bank account pennies, and he is also <laughs> rubbing his hands together maniacally, like "Mwahaha! Wait till you see this!" So. I'm so excited. Uh, I'm ready to speculate more. I'm ready to get more details next week on episode four of six of Loki. We have crossed the halfway point. It's going to be great. Uh, we'll play you out today with rhetoric, our original music from our original band. No, we didn't create them, but we know them very well. Cam, my co-host, can't do this without you. Thank you so much. We will see you next week. Peace.